I, I was very, I was very thankful for the last couple of weeks for Pastor Andy sharing the word, and last week Dr. Luke Heron coming in to share the word. Hopefully, you all are encouraged to to hear and see what God is doing on the other side of the world, and, and particularly in Africa, and give you something to pray for. Also, our brothers and sisters in Christ there as well. Um, and so it's kind of strange. I feel like even though I was here last two weeks, I feel like I haven't been here the last two weeks because when you don't speak consecutively, I feel like, you know, it's been a long time. So um, it's good to be back up here to share the word with you all. Um, let's bow our heads. Let's pray together, shall we? Let's pray. Father God, we come before you again. We thank you for gathering us here together. Thank you, Lord, for the freedom we have to be able to come to church, to be able to worship together, to be able to, be able to hear your word. And we were reminded last week there's so many around the world who don't have that freedom. They don't have that privilege. And so, Lord, we just, while we pray for them, for your protection over them, Lord, we also want to say thank you that we can continue to do that here and that we can continue to do that here regardless of what's going on around us, especially, Lord, with the virus going around and we don't want to take it for granted that we can be here. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this time and we ask your spirit to lead us as we hear your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, I imagine uh, we've all been watching the news the last couple weeks, and we've been reminded, especially the last couple weeks, of the tremendous and tragic sacrifice so many men and women make in serving our country. And of course, on August 26, 13 U.S. service members, 11 Marines, a Navy medic, and another soldier were killed in Afghanistan. I saw this picture and I thought this was a a very powerful picture, a powerful reminder. We don't want to neglect to mention the other 18 soldiers who were also injured in the attack, but they died serving their country and their their life was lost for thousands from a foreign land. And I I imagine soldiers, when they enlist in the military, they don't enlist to die. Yet, they accept the possibility they may lose their life. The life of a soldier represents a commitment to a cause much greater than self. Whether or not their intention going into the military was that their life represents their commitment to a cause much greater than self. And we mustn't take that sacrifice for granted. Soldiers, of course, are not the only example of living for a cause greater than self. Uh, As we know, as this week, as we approach the anniversary of 9-11, I make it a point for myself each time we approach 9-11 to watch a show, a documentary of that day. Of course, I remember it very well. But I remember, I watch, I intend, 
I, I watch a show particularly, and I watched one yesterday, so that I always remember the sacrifice that was made that day. I was watching a show about the towers and ground level documentary film of how the firefighters risked their life to climb up the towers to try to help everybody else get down. And of course, so many sacrificed their life for the many. Here's another quote that represents living a life greater than self. You may recognize this. I don't know what will happen to me now. We've got some difficulty days ahead, but it doesn't matter to me now because I've been to the mountaintop. I won't mind. Like anybody else, I would like to live a long life. Longevity has its place, but I'm not concerned about that now. I just want to do God's will. And he's allowed me to go up to the mountain, and I've looked over and I've seen the promised land. I may not get there with you, but I want you to know tonight that we as a people will get to the promised land. So I'm happy tonight. I'm not fearing any man. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Of course, I couldn't do that speech justice by Martin Luther King Jr., who gave, who said that the night before his assassination. Someone who saw life bigger than himself for a cause bigger than himself. As Christians, we represent, we represent something even greater than country. We represent someone greater than a king. We even represent something greater than even civil, civil liberties. We represent an eternal kingdom. We represent the God of creation. We are ambassadors of the King of Kings. And we are soldiers defending the righteousness of God. Let that sink in for a little bit. And I want you to know I don't use that term soldiers lightly or flippantly. From the very beginning, Christians have been laying down their life, many dying a brutal martyr's death for the sake of the gospel. Last week, we saw, we, Dr. Heron came and he shared about what goes on in other countries where it's hostile for Christians. Here in the West, I don't think we can fully appreciate what they experience in countries where it's unlawful to be Christian, where they live in extreme danger just for the sake of the gospel. They risk their own lives to share the gospel with others. I recently read an article reporting that 36 Christians in Nigeria were murdered in the span of 24 days in August. What was their crime? For being a Christian. I came across this quote from Open Doors, a Christian mission organization, and they heard from an Afghan believer they have connections with. Here's a quote that he shared. The person shared, Every fellow believer 
I speak to you, ask for only one thing, prayer. That's generally the only thing they ask for. All earthly protection was taken from them. Here's another prayer shared by an Afghan believer who reports the Taliban are going door to door, hunting Christians down and killing them. He prays, have mercy on them, my God. For in you they take refuge in the shadow of your wings. We cry out to God most high who vindicates us. He sends from heaven and saves, rebuking those who hotly pursue. Your children in Afghanistan are in the midst of lions, forced to dwell among, those, among men whose teeth are spears, whose tongues are sharp swords. Be exalted, O God, above the heavens. Let your glory be over all the earth. See, I want us to capture that these believers live for a greater cause and greater hope despite the ongoing threats and suffering they face every single day. That might be a foreign concept to us, right? For the most part, we live in fairly luxury compared to other people around the world. But we're called to live for a greater cause than our own selfish pleasures, for our own self-centered goals. We live for the sake of Christ Jesus. And Paul understood this. Paul lived this. The Apostle Paul here is charging the church with this very message of living for a cause, living for one greater than even yourself. Where we left off in Philippians, because I know it's been a couple of weeks, so I want to kind of get you caught up and get you remembering what we, where we left off on. Paul was showing his perspective on how he sees life, how he views ministry, and that the gospel was the primary focus. Jesus was the primary focus in his life. He was at the center. And the verse that sums up this, this perspective for Paul best was in chapter 1, verse 21 in Philippians. If you have your Bibles, you can be turning to there, Philippians chapter 1. And in verse 21, he says, For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. To sum up his life perspective, to live is Christ, to die is gain. In other words, to live is Christ. Jesus affects every aspect of his life in his relationships, how he sees and how he thinks of the world, how he behaves, how he makes decisions in your business dealings, how you see your future. Christ is at the core, at the center, and affects how you live your life. And Paul backed up this idea when he says that he felt pressed on two sides. On one side, what was it? He knows that if he remains living on this earth, it would be for the benefit of others, that he would be able to preach the gospel, that his life, his purpose here on earth would be to benefit others for the sake of the gospel. But he felt pressed on the other side. What was the other side? He knew that if he was to be released from this earth, that it would be to his gain. That he would be with the Lord. And that would be much 
much better. So he felt pressed on both sides. Do I stay here on earth and be a benefit for others? Or do I want to be with the Lord? Or at least to be with Him. You think of verse 21. I don't know which part of that verse Christians struggle with the most. Because I think they struggle with both sides. Because we can struggle living for Jesus, right? To live as Christ. We can, as Christians, often struggle to live for Christ. But at the same time, we can equally be so scared of death. We can have a hard time seeing it as gain. And I thought, if only we knew how good it was to be with God. If we could only imagine how good it is to be with God. How many have ever been to Disneyland? Show of hands, most people. Do you remember, you adults or you kids, the first time you went to Disneyland? Do you remember the first time you took your kids to Disneyland? Do you remember the excitement? Do you remember when you finally get through the turnstiles and you got to take the picture in front of the floral Mickey in the front, right? You got to get that picture in, and it's like 30 minutes, right? After the 30 minutes, you finally get the picture. All right, come on, kids, we have to take this picture. We have to get in front of Mickey, right? But you finally get the picture done, and you remember walking through the tunnels. And as soon as you get through the tunnels, if you can picture, if you can imagine your own expression, but even better, can you remember the expression on your kid's face? The look of wonder and amazement when they walk through the tunnels, all the visuals, all the sounds. You see the horse-drawn carriages, the trolley cars going by. You hear the whistle, steam whistle of the old steam engine train behind you. The old decor of the shops. And if you're lucky, you get to see a Disney character. And your kids either run to chase to get a hug, or they're so scared to death they don't even want to go near the character. Right? Like, why don't you go take a picture of Goofy? And they're like, Goofy doesn't look like that on my screen. Goofy's much bigger. I don't want to see this Goofy, right? So you look at Main Street, all the thrill. Can you imagine if you take your kids and you go all the way down to the end of Main Street and they say, all right, kids, wasn't that great? Disneyland's wonderful. Okay, it's time to go home. Can you imagine if their only experience of Disneyland was at the end of Main Street? They never got to experience Tomorrowland, Space Mountain, the Matterhorn. It's a small world. Okay, I don't know if you guys are all thrilled about it. It's a small world. But back then, it was cool. Star Wars experience. Can you imagine they had no idea they didn't even experience that? Their only experience at Disneyland was Main Street. Think about what we live here on earth compared to to heaven. In fact, that analogy doesn't even, it fails to compare our experience on earth compared to heaven. Right? Here it's just kind of like going to a Disney store compared to going to Disneyland. Actually, that doesn't even compare. Comparing heaven to here is like comparing going to like 
a, a store that sells knockoff Disney characters and stuff compared to Disneyland itself. We can't imagine how amazing it is to be with God. But for the unbeliever, this life here on earth is as good as it gets. This is all there is to look forward to. Without Christ, this is all there is to look forward to. Because to, to reject Jesus, to reject Jesus Christ as Savior, reject the Father who sent Him. For those who reject Christ, they will get what they asked for. Because to reject Christ here on earth is to reject Him for eternity. And if you reject Christ here on earth, you will get what you desired for eternity. You don't want to be with God here, then you won't be with God in eternity. You will be eternally separated from His presence, from His goodness, from His love. That is hell. Utter darkness, pain, and suffering. So for Paul, there was no doubt in Paul's mind to live is Christ and to die is only gain. I will be with God for eternity. So there's that perspective where what we've been looking at in Paul's mind and his perspective. So with that in mind, he has a charge for the church in verse 27. Follow along in verse 27, Paul says, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that you too from God... For to you it has, been give, it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict with which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. Here's Paul's charge to the church. The first thing he says is to conduct yourselves, only conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. That word conduct yourselves in Greek literally means to be a citizen, to live as a citizen of. Literally live as a citizen of the gospel of Jesus Christ in a worthy manner. Now citizenship used to be a big thing. Hopefully it's still a big thing here in America, right? To become an American citizen was a big thing. And as a citizen, we have certain rights. Certain duties, certain privileges, certain expectations, right? We usually want to uphold a certain character as an American citizen, a certain responsibility. Take it a different context, raising kids. Jamie and I, when we raised our kids, we raised them to act a certain way. You are to behave a certain way as a member of our family, Regardless of what, how other kids act, how other kids are, whatever their attitudes, you're our kids. 
And we're raising you to behave and act a certain way. Because not only do you represent yourselves, you represent our family. Paul's saying that we ought to live our lives as citizens of the gospel in a worthy manner. Don't diminish the value of being a follower of Christ. Don't put to shame the meaning of the gospel. Be careful how you live your life. Don't forget you represent yourself as a child of God. You represent God even more so than your parents. He goes on and says, he says, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind striving together for the faith of the gospel. Paul says, stand firm in one spirit. Strive together for the faith of the gospel. Persevere. When you tell someone to stand firm, be strong. How many have ever had someone say to you, you got to be strong? All right, stand firm. What are they trying to tell you? Anticipate some conflict. Anticipate some struggle. Anticipate there's going to be someone who's trying to knock you off, to knock you down, right? Paul's saying, look, stand firm and persist. Strive for the faith of the gospel. There's going to be people in your life who's going to try to knock you off your faith. For those of you who started school, your peers are going to try to knock you off your faith. Now, they may not be thinking, oh, I'm going to make them not a Christian. But the things they do, the things they may try to pressure you to do, may try to knock you off your faith. Even your teachers, who are unbelievers, they may try to discourage you with your faith. He's saying, stand firm. But notice, he says, stand firm, but he says, stand firm, what? Together. Stand firm together. Don't feel like you have to be the lone Christian. Find people that you can stand firm together with. I know Pastor Andy uh, this week visited a Christian, Christian club in the high school this week. For those of you who are in school, hopefully maybe you do have a Christian club. Hopefully they have the intention of mind to be a club together that they can be Christians together. They can stand firm together. I would encourage you, those who are in school, to seek people who are fellow believers that you can stand firm together. And if you don't have any in school, find people here in church that you can stand firm together in your faith. Same with adults, whether it's in your workplace or in your family. We are to strive together in the faith. He goes on and says, In no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake, experiencing the same conflict with which you saw in me, and now here to be in me. What's Paul saying here? He says, don't be alarmed by those who oppose you. 
Don't be surprised by that. People will attack you for the sole reason of your faith. If you remember back when we started the study in verse 5, remember, if you remember, Paul commended the Philippians for participating in the gospel with him. If you recall, you remember that. Well, their participation of the gospel also includes suffering. He says, I commend you to participate in the gospel with me. Well, here in verse 29, he says, well, part of that participation in the gospel is suffering. Look what he says in verse 29. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake not only to believe in me, but also to suffer for his sake. That word to be granted in Greek is to show favor, to grant, to bestow, to do something pleasant or agreeable. Do you catch what Paul's saying here? He said, it has been, it's a pleasant thing. It's, it's showing God, God is showing favor to us for Christ's sake to not only believe in him, but he says to also to suffer for him. You see what he's saying? It's God's favor upon us for us to suffer for Christ. Now think about that for a second. How many of you may think, wait, what? How is that a good thing for us to suffer for Christ? Some people may think, well, you know, I don't think I signed up for that when I became a Christian. No one told me I had to suffer for Jesus when I accepted Jesus as my Savior. That might be a little hard to swallow for people. How many of you have a hard time swallowing pills? How many of you here have a hard time swallowing? You remember when you take pills? You try to swallow it, what doesn't happen? You can't get it down. And it's in your mouth. And what happens to the pill? It dissolves. It gets all bitter. And you want to spit it out. Parents, do you remember when your kids were little? You tried to feed them food. And they didn't like it. And it just sat in the mouth. They tried to chew it, and they're like, I'm going to throw up. I'm going to barf. And what did you do as a parent? I remember what I did when I was a parent with my kids. I said, don't you throw it up. Don't do it. If you throw it up, you're going to eat it off this plate. <laughs> they're like gagging. I can't do it. There are some things when we hear from the Bible we feel like it. We feel like gagging. We feel like, ah, I can't swallow it. It's too hard to take. Wait, I have to suffer for Jesus too on this earth? For some people, that's hard to swallow. It's hard to take in. How can that be an honor to suffer for Christ? But think about it. We admire and honor those who give their life for noble causes, don't we? Don't we make heroes out of people who've suffered and given their life, they've sacrificed for a greater cause? Some of us, we may be willing to follow in those footsteps. Maybe you're the type of person, when you see that, you say, man, if I was put in that situation... 
I want to be the kind of person that goes up the flights of stairs to save people. Right? Many, they couldn't do it. Understandably difficult. But see, we honor those who are able to sacrifice for a greater cause. We honor those. We receive and experience honor when we have struggled, when we have suffered, and we've come through it, and we've reaped the reward. When those soldiers enlisted in the military, they went through boot camp. They went to harsh training. They suffered. But they experienced the honor on the other side of that experience, right? They knew they experienced the honor of what it meant to go through that. That's why it's so important for us when we have the perspective of life to be able to think to live as Christ and to die is gain. And we may not fully understand that, what it means to live for Christ until we fully understand what it means to die is gain. Because he's suffering while it's undesirable. None of us want to go through it. Suffering is painful. It's hard to lose friends. Suffering doesn't have to be eternal. Our suffering for Christ is not eternal. It may be for a moment. It may be for a time. But it's certainly not eternal. And suffering for Christ is an honor. As a follower of Christ, we have to be willing to take the good with the hardship. I don't want to preach the gospel here and tell you everything is all rosy, everything is good, everything in your life is going to happen exactly how you want it. Because that's not the gospel that's portrayed. But we are to be warned and say, look, you follow Christ. You may, in fact, you probably will experience hardship for the sake of your faith but we can't just take the good and spit out what we don't like just like you did when you're a kid you look at your dinner plate i like the meat i may like the potatoes but i don't like that green stuff i'm gonna eat all the good stuff and i don't want to eat the bad stuff but jesus saying no, no no it's not like that out of suffering and hardship will come beauty. Like we sang earlier in one of the songs, he makes beauty with ashes. In your hardship, in your struggle, if you trust God, he can make something beautiful even in your hardship. You may not realize it in the moment. It may be difficult in the moment. You may be feeling pressure from others. You may be facing persecution from others. Or even just life in general. The enemy is just throwing things at you in your family, in your personal life. And you're feeling the hardship. Satan doesn't want you to be close to God. But endure. Stand firm. Get other people to help you stand firm together. Because in that hardship will bring something beautiful. The Apostle Paul, we looked at, he had hoped to visit the Philippians, right? You remember that? He hoped to to be able to go back and visit the church in Philippi. But most likely, he was not ever able to do that. Even though he was feeling good about the possibility to visit the Philippians, he wasn't able to do that. 
He was imprisoned. He got transferred to Rome. He may have been released for a time, but was imprisoned again. And we know that he was killed under Nero around 65 AD and most likely never visited the Philippian church again. Sometimes life doesn't happen the way we want it to. So we have to make sure we do all we can to live for Christ. Our charge, some things to marinate over as we reflect on this passage. Eternity is our destination and our life is a path toward our destination. Our life goes beyond Main Street. It doesn't just end in the here and now. We've got to remember our destination is beyond the here and now, and it goes to eternity. And everything we do leads us to eternity. So we need to remember who we represent. Remember who you represent as a child of God. Live worthy of the gospel. Live worthy of the gospel of Christ as a follower of Christ. And stand firm and stand firm together. Let's strive together as a church, as brothers and sisters in Christ. That while you may be suffering, you don't have to suffer alone. There's no shame in saying, I am having problems I am having difficulty. I need support. I need prayer. I need help. I'm going to end the message with this. C.S. Lewis says, If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. I love that. Think about that for a second. If I find in myself a desire which no experience in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that I was made for another world. Now, we're not talking about Mars, okay? I know we're trying to colonize Mars. That's not what C.S. Lewis was talking about. He's saying this is not our permanent home. This is not our permanent home. We're not going to find the answers to all we desire here on earth. It's in eternity. It's with the Lord. Hold on to that. No matter what you're experiencing right now. Let's bow our heads and let's pray. Father God, as we come before you, Lord, I don't know what anyone here may be experiencing, but Lord, you know. You know their struggles. It could be faith-related. It may not be. You know their suffering. It may be because they're a Christian. It may not be. Lord, you know their struggle. You see them. And Lord, I pray that you would Reveal yourself to them in the midst of their hardship, Lord. Give them eyes to see beyond the here and now. 
to see the eternal hope that awaits them. Help them to endure. Help them to walk before you, Lord. And help us to be able to stand firm together. In Jesus' name, amen.